All right, we're back. It's a mailbag episode number 18. We have part two of the Milan Lucic episode. We have some great questions that were submitted on Instagram and Twitter, and as well as some voicemails. Even our buddy Harry from High Park makes a return. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Franklin Sports, TSR Hockey, and Cross Country Mortgage and the Chris Devon Group. Mach, you ready to roll? Ready to roll. Let's go. All right, Mots, what's going on here? We're back, episode 18. Very excited to chat with you. What's been going on? Not too much. Sun is shining. Golf weather is here. We got out on the course the other day and slapped it around. I think it's going to be a season-long grudge match between you and me. Just a quick trip for the talent. You don't invite the producer on these runs. You don't do that. I think the Chicklets guys got their producer a Rolex. That's, oh, jeez. Here weird. we go. Yeah, Manahan's like, calling them. I don't, I don't even get the invite off it's unbelievable well unbelievable. i thought you had a real job uh, I, I do. But I mean i'd like the invite at least i like to feel wanted every now and then jesus uh, lost, like the wife, right? we'll, we'll keep you in the bullpen you have the bullpen jacket on you yeah, know, we stay warm stay warm that's right i need the bullpen jacket <laughs> lost your number for a couple of days and speaking of nice weather i was just driving my kid to school and uh this guy was he was like power walking 60 something year old guy like no no shirt on like, isn't that, it's a little aggressive for this time of year. It's just not I think it's style. aggressive whenever, though. I mean, Yeah, I, like, it's, it's a definitely a no-no. Well, yeah, even just running, even 100 I degrees out. Yeah. You know, but to each their own, I guess, you know, but there's not, that's not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, Top never. Off. From a couple of slobs who would never, uh, never take that route anyway. So if I if I had the look going, I'd pull it off. Yeah, sure. but this is like a, I'd say probably a sixty five year old guy. I mean, he had a decent tan going. That explains no 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 jersey, but it was. Uh, I'm like, you're crossing the line here, buddy. It's like parents are driving their kids to school. What are you doing walking down Morrissey Boulevard with no shirt with no shirt on? Ripped up like a bag of milk. Yeah, yeah. What else we got? Anything good? No, just I'd love to get into that passing topic that we talked about. First off, congratulations to Keith Yandel, BY's uh, bro, with 600 points in the NHL. Quite a feat. 1,032 games played, 102 goals, 498 apples. That's like an apple at Orchard. So, 498 second assists. Yeah, sniveling. <laughs> yeah, they going up to the ref after every uh, goal. Hey, can you fill that one? Fill that yeah, one? Yeah. yeah. No, so that's an, a quite an accomplishment. You know, not only we talked about his longevity and his dedication to the game and his his professionalism, but uh, to put up that type of uh, those type of numbers as a defenseman in the league and it shows the consistency and uh, his high end talent. So. Hats off to him. He um, he's he's on he's on his way uh, into the playoffs and hopefully uh, make a nice deep run here. Yeah, he had a uh, an interesting text to us too. So we'll read you the 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 quote of why kids can't pass. He was re- listening to the last episode. His quote was, "This is why kids can't pass. Their curves are too big. They aren't strong enough to use the flex of the stick to make hard flat passes." When we were kids, we had straight curves and passed heel to toe. These kids just flick passes around. It's gross. And he's spot on. When we talked about it last episode about making tape-to-tape passes and really emphasizing and focusing in on it, that technique and that foundation of how to pass uh, just isn't there. But he's absolutely right with the new curves. Everyone's really looking as far as shooting and skill to beat someone one-on-one versus 
that team play, moving pucks correctly on time, and it's gotten away from that. And I think the technology has has kind of you know been a factor as well. And you know that was a great point he brought up. And collecting backhand passes with a big curve, it's very difficult to consistently. You know, you have to catch it more on the heel, and you see a lot of pucks bouncing off sticks. Yeah, no, I don't want to beat it up too much, but I thought that was a good quote, and I was happy that uh, he's listening to the rank shrinks as he's heading into the playoffs, you know what I mean, trying to get some advice, so that's good stuff. Another thing that I found interesting this week was the, I wanted to talk to you about, like, Jack Eichel, obviously, he's had a kind of a tough year this year in Buffalo, obviously, he's a Boston kid, and we're all rooting for him. Buffalo obviously had a tough season with with everything that went on there coaches being fired players being hurt uh we saw that you know we've seen that the transformation of taylor hall since he's left and come to boston but he's been injury in, injured he's been battling some different the different things in the media whether he's looking to get out and things like that but i wanted to talk to you about you know that being injured and like do you feel like you're out on an island and kind of alone like i know personally when i was hurt Obviously, it was a lesser degree. I was in the East Coast League, but I was—I had hurt my leg. I was done for the season. And you just feel like, you know, the guys go on the road. You're kind of there alone, you know, especially if you don't have your family around with you. But talk to us about about any experiences you may have had in, in that scenario. Yeah, it's very difficult to get injured first and foremost. But then the rehab and, and getting back into the mix is very difficult. So I was pretty much a bubble player for the – the bulk of my career so you're worried about losing your job Eichel obviously doesn't have to worry about that but just that connectivity with the teammates sometimes you have to be there early so guys that are in the lineup get the attention of the training staff before they go out on the ice and the maintenance that they need so you just feel like you're disconnected a little bit and that can wear on you mentally for me trying to get back in the lineup try to get healthy but sometimes you get little too impatient and you don't let the the uh the injury heal enough and come back and it's it's counterproductive but in his situation you know he's a franchise player and it's a real injury that is very and there's differing of opinion uh, between medical staff and this is like a, a very touchy subject it's in the cba where the medical staff of an organization has last say even if you go for a second opinion so his quote was the most important thing is trying to get healthy and figure out a way to be available to play hockey next year, wherever that might be, which is, yeah, that is a, that's a tough uh, situation going on in there. But at the core of it, you want him to be healthy. He's, he's an elite player and, you know, it's a sensitive area in his neck and he's looking uh, at some alternative options that are new to the, the market for, um, you know, that procedure. But, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, getting back to the original question, I, I do feel that it is a it wears on you mentally. It's very difficult to stay, you know, a part of the group when you're not actually on the ice performing and, and being uh, a valuable part of that team. So, um, you know, you, you just have to kind of it's part of the game. It's an occupational hazard, I guess, if you are, if you want to put it that way. So we. You know, you have to deal with it. And I, I know you went through a bunch of injuries as well. And it's it's never fun being on the sidelines at, at whatever age or, you know, at the highest level. Yeah, I remember I had two things when I was I was obviously in the East Coast League. So it's a, a much different level. But uh, I ended up rushing back just because I was like so bored and, and just so tired. And I played in the playoffs and uh, 
and my leg was just all I, I was a defenseman and I ended up I played forward that's how crazy it was because I could barely pivot we played you know like I think Vegas in the uh, Las Vegas Wranglers and we got smoked and I was done but I went right back and saw Mike Boyle that's where we were working out in the summer and my leg was just I should have never went back and played. That was the bottom line. You know what I mean? And it just, it hurt me. It really set me way back on my recovery. Uh, and then another funny story. So I was in Phoenix as I was rehabbing and the Phoenix Suns were playing the Seattle Supersonics at the time. So I was there rehabbing at the rink. We shared an arena and I'm like, oh, the Seattle's doing their pregame shoot around. And I went to walk out. I'm like, oh, it'd be awesome to see like Ray Allen was on the team at the time. Shoot. So I go like hobbling out. I'm on crutches. And remember the big monster Rashad Lewis? Yeah. So they're walking like down the um, the the hallway and I'm walking out. So I'm like, oh, I can't like turn around now. Right. It, it would look like really awkward. So I'm just like mosey on down, walking on crutches. Rashad Lewis fake throws a, a sucker punch at me like <laughs> literally like winds up like he's gonna blast me and i'm like i like obviously almost shit my pants and i'm like and they're like ah they start going bananas right like high five and it was him alan like a couple other guys on the team they're like loving life and i'm just like i just like hobbled down on my crutches it was horrifying i just i just thought of the story but it was like top five scariest moment in my in my life it looked like the san diego padres guy yesterday uh, that, that, that went that went viral that's like almost getting stuffed in a locker. Like oh, you get bullied. What am I going to the- do? This guy's <laughs> six foot ten. Like I can't. I can't even say anything. I was like uh, expecting to go watch uh, Jesus shuttles where I take a couple threes, and next thing I know, I'm getting fake sucking. <laughs> oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. Embarrassing moment. We're actually in a, in, a, in a few minutes. We're gonna play for, uh, part two of the Milan Lucic interview, right? But he talks a lot about the camaraderie of that, uh, certainly the eleven team, right, in the in the Boston Bruins. But going back to the injury status, like that's how important it is as a team to have that camaraderie, right? Because I could totally see if you're out of a lineup and you don't feel like you're a part of the team anymore, that can affect a lot of different plays. I almost wonder, Mots, do do teams plan for that? Like, are there? I know we kind of made fun of it last week, how everyone has like a health and body coach and life coach and this, but like how are teams preparing for that kind of stuff? Well, I, I think it <clears throat> it relies on the group in the in the room. You know, an inclusive group and a tight group will, you know, just innately keep that person in the mix. You know, and I just, you know, there's other teams where it's a little more cutthroat. Maybe it's a little more competitive for playing time. And it's not as inclusive, and that's just the reality of it. But I don't think a team has a game plan for that. You know, it's just the the makeup of you know, an organization, and um, you know, some are better than others. Uh, you know, you you all want to be pulling in the right direction together, but uh, when you break it down, you know, it's 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 people's jobs on the line at times, and sometimes those opportunities arise when someone gets hurt. And someone has to take advantage of it, and that's just the the brutal, honest um, reality of the the business. But um, when you get when you have a good group and and you you have it, that inclusivity, um, I think it's it's healthier. It keeps guys engaged even when they're out of the lineup, whether it be a healthy scratch or injured. But the injury bug, you know, whether it be a long term or short short term, but when a lot of times there's no timetable. It's not how you feel. So guys push it to get back and 
you know, it's it's a kind of a, a touchy area. You know, the training staff has to do their job. They want to protect the, the player, but they also want to get them back on the ice. There's a lot of different dynamics that kind of go into those decision-making to get someone going. And if they're more valuable to the team, they, they seem to rush them a little bit more at times, which uh, can be counterproductive, like I said earlier. And you've seen different options lately. Like um, I think it was two years ago, McDavid choosing not to get surgery with his mm-hmm. knee and he ended up rehabbing it back and, and, and things like that. But moving on here, the uh, another great quote I saw this, this, this week was from Marty St. Louis. I think it was on the uh, Hockey Think Tank podcast, but I saw it online. But he was asked, what were you best, what were you best at that made you such a great NHL player? And his, his quote was, I was really good at getting bad, better. And I think that, uh, I mean, that falls perfectly in line with what we talk about all the time. And I, I just found that quote to be like spot on. Yeah, he was an undersized player at a time when the league wasn't, you know, open to having smaller players unless you're so dynamic. And he ended up being dynamic and being a league MVP and, you know, Stanley Cup champion. But he had to work so hard. He was in the minors. And, you know, we have, you know, a mutual friend who played with him and they're, they're just saying he's so good, but he he just wouldn't get an opportunity in Calgary there when he was coming through. Um, but that's a great quote because he did continue to work at it, his determination, his effort to get better. And being that undersized player and, and having the, the deck stacked against you a little bit kind of plays into that too, like just proving people wrong at every step. And... um you know, I, I was able to play against him and he was very difficult to play against. Not only, I mean, you know, skill wise, but he would just hunt pucks, stop on pucks. He was a superstar on the high end skill level, but he also worked his his tail off and made it difficult to play against. And um, he was uh, he was a great player and he's a great guy. I met him a few times and able to chat with him. But I like that quote a lot because it does fall in line with the message that we continue to preach here. And um, you know, even talking to my son and his group about it, you know, there's, you can never get, uh, you can never be too good of a skater. You can never be too good at something. So you have to continue to work at your strengths, but always identify your weaknesses and really work at those as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I thought that was a, a great quote. And obviously, Again, it's just it, it goes to the mindset of a you know a, a Hall of Famer, right? And he just continuously worked and, and tried to get better. And whatever deficiencies he felt that he may have had, he continued to get better at and, and worked. And I know um, I got to meet him when when Keith was playing with him in the, with the Rangers, and he loved him. And same thing said he was just an unbelievable teammate and hard worker. And he was crazy with the sticks, crazy with the sticks. He had the yellow sticks. Yeah, and the yellow said, sticks. He would go like. He would he would have sticks down his basement and go back and change them and and uh, it was it was pretty funny to see that you know that that mindset of him but it'd be a, it'd be a great great person to talk to someday and hopefully we can um, all right Mots it's time to dip in the into the mailbag here um, but before we do so I'd like to thank our sponsor Franklin Sports we're always talking about how important it is to play multiple sports growing up and not getting burned out by too much hockey and keeping it fun. It's also so important to develop skills like hand-eye coordination from baseball or lacrosse, footwork, foot, footwork, and soft hands from flag football or soccer. Our partner, Franklin Sports, can act as the one-stop shop for all equipment 
you need to play these other sports. In addition to street hockey equipment, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off their website for sports equipment at franklinsports.com. Enter the coupon code RINKSHRINKS for 20% off site-wide through the end of 2021. Street hockey equipment, soccer balls, nets, footballs, batting gloves, baseball equipment, pickleball, cornhole, volleyball, and much more. Ooh, 20% yeah. off the end of the year. How you doing? Yeah, the, the, the summertime's coming. I got my Franklin lid on here, too. Oh, uh, that's buddy, nice. Day, since, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. He sent well, me the, a little care package. The nice weather is uh, is here, so the, the backyard Olympics, you know, I, we're going to be having some uh, family events, a, a, a season-long, so cornhole, bocce, volleyball, uh, bago, you name it, um, and it doesn't get old winning championships, so use your Franklin discount code, get some backyard uh toys i would say because i mean these things uh i've already set up a few of them and um i'm five and oh and so just uh who's counting off? I, don't, I don't know if anyone read it in the papers yet but yeah yeah it's in the duxbury clipper can i also give a shout out i just bought this as a gift by the way uh for my nephew the game has changed it's not just the snapping in the corners and things anymore the folding one is a game changer oh, yeah. got a nephew where was that years ago i mean listen you got to innovate so good for them for doing it but that would have been very beneficial to me during tournaments in the hallways and stuff like that if they fold it up oh yeah you know what i mean it's beautiful what was yeah. that the, the the mini net you said yeah it's mini net you go yeah. on it's on oh, talk about a game changer for road trips too it's right. about it. it could fit in a suitcase it was, it's an absolute beauty it's the folding go go check it out Fold well the bag the bago board has a bluetooth speaker in it oh my god it's unbelievable yeah, Times have changed. Yeah, so to check Sounds out. Sounds like we got to have a cookout. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Colin A, you can come. You can, you can come. You can come. So be sure to go to franklinsports.com and punch in the rank shrinks code for 20% off for all merchandise there. So we thank them for coming on board as a partner and um, enjoyed uh, some of their products yeah, along the way. Yeah, keep it going. It's that yeah. time of year. All right, Mott, uh this question is from Instagram from Matt. Uh, hey, Rink Shrinks, important question. We debated this on the bench in beer leagues. The scenario, a goal is scored, but the defensemen were coming off the ice for a change. Who gets the plus for the goal on the ice? The guys leaving the ice or the guys entering? You guys are awesome. Gotta well, love the plus minus in men's league. Yeah, well, I mean, this is an age-old question, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting how it works. You know, everyone says it comes out in the wash, but I don't think it does. You come off the ice after making a play or being part of the play. You know, you make a good change coming up the ice, and the dude jumps and then gets halfway. You know, and it's like, oh, oh, hey, and looks back at the bench, and then goes into the pile to celebrate. Mm. He gets the plus usually. Yeah, Keith's done it four hundred and eighty-eight times. <laughs> there you go. No, but that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. For more often than not, the guy jumping on the ice within a, a short time frame if it's if it's a kind of a bang bang situation he curls back and allows the guy to get the plus so it's really uh kind of goes back to what we we're talking about that team team uh dynamic if a guy's really hurting for a plus then you can kind of cut him loose and go hey go hop in the pile but um the plus I minus like when, can- i like when i like when the guys kind of 
push push the guys back onto the ice. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. like that shows good good teamwork. Yeah. Knowing, hey, Mots needs a plus here. Let's push him back out, you know? Yeah, I'm on the birdie train right now. I get the green jacket on the team. Help me out, brother. Yeah, give me a couple (laughs) pluses here. I love it in the men's league that they got that stack going. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I love the stack. I I was plus nine tonight. Yeah. I wonder if I'd hit my 600th point in men's league yet. I bet you're close. Yeah, then maybe give me a, a stick or something. A silver, silver bear. Um, all right, next one up, another Instagram. Hey, guys, my 11-year-old daughter isn't interested in playing any other sports uh, besides hockey. She, however, is interested in physical training, body weight, and light lifting with a trainer at our local rink. Physical trainers are upstairs. My question is as follows. Do you think it is okay for her um, or for me to let her roll with that decision? She has become seriously motivated to improve in her hockey play, both skills and systems, um, all on her own, and her and has pretty much no interest in sports outside of hockey. I don't want to push her into sports she does she isn't interested in, but don't want her to specialize, meaning she could risk injury, yada yada yada. Um, that's from RJ, and like I said, an Instagram question. I I mean it goes back to what we talked about um with Sean Scahan about being an athlete out, outside not being an uh in organized sports you can still be an athlete but I w- I would recommend if she's really into it um you know to provide her that opportunity to get some good education uh foundation with the trainer um but again you know you can do other things and taking that time off is very important. You, know, you want to be excited to go to the rink. And although she's very excited and motivated to be a good hockey player and and wants to be at the rink all the time and really focus on it, you still do need to put the bag away enough. So that skating one to two times is, is, is fine. You know, you just don't want to be taxing yourself too much in that overuse. And, you know, with Lucha's interview, like he, he does talk about um, – Injuries at an earlier age now, those hips and and that overuse. So I, I do think um, if you can manage it a little bit and keep her hungry uh, without, you know, disappointing her, I think that's the, the way to go, you know. But that um, advice, the, the advice on on allowing her to, to get that uh, trainer and, and get that education, it's very important, I think, at an early age and you know, it might uh, be able to allow her to, to have a good foundation to, to build on. Yeah. I think the, um, the important thing is, is that burnout factor. I don't care what you do, whether it's work, you know, job, anything that, you know, people love what they do, but there's, there's going to be a burnout factor no matter what. Uh, and you need to get away and you need to, to develop other types of skills. Um, I mean, I think it's our job as parents is to kind of nudge them in the right direction and say, you know, hey, sign up for this team, whether it's basketball, softball, uh, field hockey, anything, right, just to get away and just uh, use different muscles and, and, and build those things. I think it just can really help that overall athleticism. Um, I think working with the trainer is good. I think, you know, obviously focusing and doing some skills and things like that is also very um, very important, but I think, you know, kind of forcing her to, to, to put her bag away for a few, you know, a few months is a, is a good thing. And it's going to, you're going to really see that, 
that hunger and that passion come out when it does come to uh, come time to get serious during the season. But speaking of special people, Mots, um, our next sponsor, TSR Hockey, is New England's premier hockey store. Uh, and they are proud to sponsor the Rink Shrinks. TSR Hockey is the hockey store that specializes in fitting. TSR fits players correctly to the right gear to maximize each player's performance. TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this season by visiting www.tsrhockey.com. Yeah, they're, they're great guys, number one, and they provide a great service for team and individuals. They have a great selection of uh, apparel and um, any any sporting um, brand. So, like, that's the, the best part about them. They're not just tied to one brand. They can... They can provide any type of brand and meet your needs. So be sure to check out our friends at TSR and get your team outfitted. You know, I know BY is um, really huge on the fashion. Big, big into that. And Dave, you've talked about it. You know, he's uh, look good, play good. He's got, a, he's got a good mentality about it. It could be a crossover podcast, his uh, his style hockey podcast. <laughs> they did. And I know because he texted me about it. He, they did post some quarter zips on their Instagram page the other day. And uh, TSR's got them all. So got them all in there. Yeah, so check those out. We're big three-quarter zip guys. Big yeah. three-quarter zip guys. But yeah, thanks again. Obviously, those guys are great up there. They're good buddies of ours. And, and, and we appreciate it. And it was nice to... Uh, Mike from uh, TSR and and I actually took down uh, Mott and Brennan. No big deal when we played a little round of golf, but round two is going to be coming up. Yeah, we call it we call that chumming. We're just getting you closer uh, to the boat, and we're going to hit you with a big bet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, next up, I just got a, a, a quick shout out here. Uh, this is from Jack Haggerty. He sent us something on Instagram. How's it going, boys? I absolutely love the podcast. Brian, I'm not sure if you remember me, but I'm Coach Humili's grandson, Jack. Jack, I do remember you. Obviously, you were a young kid and you were always around the locker room. And I was talking about the family atmosphere that Coach Humili had, uh, you know, created at, at UNH. And I loved it. And uh, good to hear from Jack there, and, and hopefully he's doing well. I think he's, uh, I think he's playing at Melrose High or somewhere up in in, in the North Shore. And uh, good luck, and, and hopefully everything's going good. I'm supposed to actually play some golf with uh, Coach Humili soon, which I'm really looking forward to. That's great. Coach Humili is a great great man. Lo- loved uh, being able to get to know him through the recruiting process. And actually, my uh, wife Courtney went to UNH. We go out to dinner and. I was at his uh his old haunt, the Rosa in uh, Portsmouth. Oh yeah, in Portsmouth. Yeah, and he ended up buying me uh, you know, a couple beers and a dessert, and he's like, "You got to keep your friends close, but your enemies closer." So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Super, super guy. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. Uh, this one came from Twitter. Uh, how come NHL defensemen don't hit anyone coming through the slot anymore? I, I assume he's talking about the old Scott Stevens uh, shoulder to the chest type of hits back in the day. You don't see many of them anymore, though. No, I think it's very difficult. to. There's so much uh, responsibility on the hitter versus the puck carrier. The accountability for the puck carrier has gone down, meaning... Back in the day, you weren't allowed to go to the middle with your head down with the puck. You're going to get cleaned out. And sometimes, you know, you you would get hurt. You know, now everyone's trying to protect the not only the 
the players, but but the puck carrier always needed to have some sense of awareness where he was on the ice and where he was going. So now it's it's very difficult for a defenseman to to you know clean someone out in the middle of the ice and and kind of punish that that move to the middle uh, because they're a little hesitant of getting a penalty. You know, sometimes they'll kind of duck out of the way or whatever it is, and you got to reach. I mean, I was victim of that. Um, I got a two game suspension because of it. You know, it wasn't a uh, it was like a high hit, but. You know, the guy ended up, uh, Franz Nielsen ended up blowing his knee out because he tried to avoid and whatnot. But I just. Did you guys like, go knee to knee or no? No. So, like, I I was the offside. He just, D. He just he twisted. Cut, yeah. He cut into the middle and I had him lined up pretty well. And then he, he like kind of ducked to the side. So I reached out. It looks kind of bad uh, mm. with my arm, like kind of a clothesline. Get off the tracks when the train's coming through, Franz. Yeah. So then his toe kind of caught on his on his uh, skate, and then he buckled his knee a little bit. But um, you know, it looked bad, and they had just put out like a, a high hit warning, you know, across the league and whatnot. But the point is, it's very difficult to time a perfect hit with your arms and show, you know, hands down, and and hit someone, you know, clean uh, without the ramifications of you know someone moving a little bit or you have to reach out. So it, it is an art though, even when back in the day, but I just feel that guys are just going stick on puck and just trying to get in the way instead of taking that, that kind of extra stride to, you know, send a message more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a lost art. I think, I mean, uh, one of our last, uh, guests, Brooks Opic, he, uh, he was one of the last guys that you saw kind of come through the middle and, and lay a body on guys. But it's definitely something that that isn't too uh, too common these days. And like you said, uh, a lot of it is the accountability of the player coming through with their head down and not protecting themselves. And Luch talks about that in his interview, right? He, he talked about, you know, boxers, when they go out there, it's like protect yourself, right? And and be smart and don't get hurt. And that's, you know, the, it's kind of a lost art in hockey. But you, especially when we were younger, you expected if you were carrying the puck through the middle of the ice with your head down, you were going to end up in the 10th row or whatever. Yeah. And the other part of that accountability on the puck area, you see, and it's being taught. And, you know, you, when you turn your back last minute up against the wall, so the hitter is definitely more responsible now. Before you just get blasted, if in the guy, if the guy turned, the, the ref would take that into account. Now it's just, you know, kind of a known thing where you're protecting the puck enough, but last minute where the guy's coming in to hit you, it's, it's they're still kind of having that trust that you're going to let up, which is very, it's been a big change, I think. Um, so it's effective because you still maintain possession of the puck, but, you, you know, some of the guys back in the day would just drive your face right into the dash. <laughs> yeah. So. Do you think those big stop signs that the Canadian teams have on their jerseys uh, work? Um, I always thought that there were yields, so I would just I would still keep <laughs> coming. You know, I would proceed with caution. Yeah, so uh. I just didn't hit anybody. <laughs> Made it easier. Um, all right, we got a couple more here. Another email. This is from Anthony and Rye uh, Ross Fashion Police. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, do you agree with the statement? If your bag has wheels, you don't. <laughs> love I would, it i love that uh 
Yes, 100%. I, I agree with that. It, you <laughs> definitely don't. I love it, Ross. I mean, uh, Anthony, that's great. <laughs> Anthony we, uh, and Ross. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of those statements that you hear everywhere, by the way. It's, it's like on billboards and stuff. So I think he just created that out of thin air, which is a rock star. But if you got wheels on your back, man, you got, come on. Come on. You got to teach the kids the right way. Yeah, it, put that. Put, talk about, I mean, that needs to go. That's in the quote book for sure. What about what about tendies? Put it on a T-shirt? Tendies can use wheels. They, they have right? a little bit more no, latitude. Bullies got to carry their bag too. I know. You stop. Yeah, I know. A little bit more. I mean, like if you're an old, um, you know, men's league player, you know, we got some oh, older goalies. No. We, we need a tender. You need a tender. If they have a wheel bag, you can. I give them a little more leeway if they're a goalie showing up at a six thirty a.m. hour. But. Um, Let's just no, say I'll give, I'll give I'll give the seventy year old goalie a pass on. That. Yeah, that's that's the only one. But the worst you is can't when have him thrown out his better, back before yeah, the game. Be, there better be some goodies in that bag for after the men's league game too. Yeah, like six thirty a.m. Yeah, six thirty a.m. He's got like Bloody Mary mix going. He's got a blender. He's all. Yeah. That's why that, we'll give him a pass there. Uh, I mean, I just the, the guy just popped into my head, but he he showed up all the time, but he's out. Uh, with his skate guards on, r- ripping a dot, and he's just like, "Hey, I'm a health nut. I'm a health nut." I, you know, I'm like, "Oh my god!" So you know, he's a guy that you know, can can wheel it in. But he, um, yeah, I, the worst is when the the locker rooms are down below and they drag him down the stairs. So that should I just they shouldn't have ever made him. But it just uh, it just goes to you know I. To Anthony's point, if your bag has wheels, you don't. I, I, that's just we're, we're keeping that in the in the mix. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah, you guys want to get the uh, the voicemail line going? We gotta we gotta juice that back up there. Oh the yeah, remember guys, the, we love hearing the voicemail three four seven six shrink. Uh, we I, I talked to Harry this week. Is he back? So Harry, left he wants his own line. segment. This guy's <laughs> so out of control. I know Harry. Harry's like a, in radio. We call him a P one, right? He's diehard rink shrink. That's the only thing he listens to. Yeah, Harry, yeah. I'm telling you right now. I'm calling you out. If you're gonna leave a voicemail, you're gonna bring it. I don't want the serious question. He's asking some real question about summer camps, like leg- a legit question that anybody would ask. Well, just Harry, so let's play it. We'd like to. We, I like to hear his voice. All right, all right, let me play the real one first. I'll play the real one. This is Mike. He's a Harry's coach. real. Harry's a real man. Harry, Harry from High Park. You're here for the laughs, all right? Get in the show or don't go. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. So, so Harry's definitely not going to get a, an actual segment if he thinks he's serious, Harry. Because, yeah, I mean, you have his game. credentials at JV Soccer. Come on. All right, let's go with uh, – this is Mike. He's a uh, he's a coach. How you doing, guys? Mike from New York, big fan of the show. Uh, played Division three hockey. Been coaching at, coaching at the youth level for a while. Wanted to just talk about uh, – or hear you guys talk about deflection goals how big it's become in the NHL nowadays and when uh, kids should start really working on that, how to defend it, and uh, maybe just the future of it. And, um, yeah, that's really it, guys. Love what you're doing. would love to hear more about the flushing goal. So thanks a lot. Hope to hear from you. Great question. Great topic. I think because goalies are so good at seeing and stopping the first shot, you've had to find ways to get creative to get the puck in the net. You know, that pass off the pads was was one area where, you know, people started kind of testing the goalies, uh, rebound control with net net front drive and, and having that game plan in place. But deflection goals are huge. You know, it's been around forever, but I think there's more of an emphasis. Guys, hand-eye are 
are crazy. The ones that are good at it. The high tip that like a shot pass high tip is another one that is very difficult to defend for the goaltender. I know uh, I saw Kevin Weeks did a little piece on it, how difficult it is. Um, but having that net front presence, you know, not only a screen, but you know, a good stick presence is invaluable. And, you know, we talk about other playing other sports all the time, but if you play baseball, if you see something coming at you and you can make some contact with it, and that's the best part of it. You don't have to square it up like a golf golf ball that's not moving or, you know, a, a baseball coming in at you. If you follow it off, it's just like a, as good as just getting a piece of it and, and redirecting it. But that's those are my key points there. I would say the goalies are so good and you got to find ways. But also the shooter is is the biggest thing on that. You have to shoot tippable pucks. So these kids that are shooting it over the net from top of the circles and out from the blue line, it's very difficult for someone to stand there with confidence and, and or they're going to tip it over the crossbar um, with a high stick. So. Uh, that's a skill getting pucks for a tippable shot that we like to talk about for on ID skills, uh, get it in that strike zone. So they're able to, to tip it up or down. And then, um, the, the net front presence or the high slot, getting a piece of it, uh, under pressure, getting a cross check, you know, those are, those are all great skills, but I think practicing it is, is very important. We would always do it after practice, you know, so sometimes you can't, don't have the time during practice, but if you find time to just float 10 pucks in there and see how many they can get, you know, that's what we would do. Like we'd have competitions and, and then those guys, it translates to a game and it just, it, it's so great. It, it keeps the play alive. It's very difficult for the goalie to, to just um, freeze a puck, soak it in when it gets deflected at, at any depth. But um, you know, what are your thoughts, BY? No, a couple things that come to mind right away are, you know, one thing that can be working on, especially it, that's one of those skills that can be worked on away from the rink, right? And like you said, at the NHL level, you don't have time to do it during practice, right? So odds are during your your might and squirt 50-minute hour or, or peewees, whatever it is, you, you don't have that much time to be sitting there working on tips. But that's something that you can take your Franklin Street hockey balls in the yard and have your brother or sister or your father you know, just fire them at you and work on those hand-eye coordination because that's all it is, is is those, you know, transferable skills, playing other sports and, you know, just just working on tipping pucks and batting pucks out of the air and, and or, or a ball, whatever it may be, um, is very important. The other thing is when you are doing those drills and you do have the opportunity, what I like to really go over, like you said, is, is obviously the defenseman has to shoot tippable shots, something below the kneecap, um, you know, kneecap to the ankle. It obviously can't be right on the ice most of the time because that's there's a good opportunity for it to get blocked or hit a skate or a stick. But um, is making sure that you're you're actually standing in front of the goalie, right? You've got to stand in front of the goalie, take away his eyes, and your stick should be out in front of you rather than off to the side. You see a lot of kids at the younger ages kind of stand to the side of the net and they just want to deflect it like, you know, whatever, towards the net. You know what I'm trying to, to, to visualize yeah. here. Um, you know, focus on on almost getting in like a tripod position in front of the goaltender so that you could tip the puck on either side of your body while you're also um, 
maintain maintaining a screen so that the goalie doesn't see it. So if the the shot goes right through your legs, you can just kind of angle it and let it hit the the heel of your stick. So it, you're just looking for that little uh, change of direction. That that that's really all it is. The goaltender mm-hmm. is taught to line up uh, on the on the shooter on the you know where the puck is, and they're going to move over. So if the D's walk in the line, the forward in front of the net. Uh, has to move with it so he continuously takes away his eyes and not just stand in front of the net. And then, like you said, that that high tip that you know that from that bumper position that you see now on the power play is is just something that you know you watch guys like Bergeron and guys that that play that bumper spot uh, so perfectly. But they they work on it a, a lot. They work on it before practice, after practice, and it, it is a valuable skill. But it's something at the younger ages that you can you can really be working on in the yard. Uh, like I said, shout out Franklin with those street hockey balls and, and little pucks and things like that. And then, um, you know, playing other sports, playing baseball, playing lacrosse, hand-eye coordination type of stuff, uh, pickleball, whatever it may be, it, it, it's all going to help. Yeah, that was a great question. Great, great topic to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's Harry have to say? I want to just hear it. Let's hear what he says. I mean, I'm disappointed. I'm calling him out. I'm calling Harry out right now. All right, let's go. go. I'm going to give you his number. Stop. It's Harry Smypock. Where it is? You looking for me? You know where to find me. Oh, Park. Anyway, I was taking a little hiatus from hockey, but little Harry's, uh, he's going to play this summer. So, makes me think uh, a question for you guys. What's your opinion on uh, the little guys playing hockey in the summer? I know for the most part, little Harry took the summer off, and, and I thought that was good for him to kind of refresh, regroup, and be excited about the upcoming season. But this year, I opted to uh, have him play. He's going to play in the league this summer. Pretty competitive league. Definitely higher than, like, JV. So, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I want to know what the ring strengths think about kids playing hockey in the summer, ultimately, all year round. Yeet! I was gonna say that wasn't that was that was pretty good from Harry. And did he change his kid's name from from Johnny to Harry? Yeah, I don't know. I think he he's confused. Yeah, I think he's confusing himself. He's he's forgetting his role and he's forgetting his child's name. It's Little Johnny, I believe. Yeah, Little Johnny. Yeah. is his kid's name. But he we can go Little Harry. Whatever that might be his middle name. Yeah, <laughs> the forgotten the forgotten son. Little. Harry. I love the. It's definitely higher than JV. High level. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> That's great. Harry just proves the point that, you know, we can we can lead a horse to water, but, you know, you can't make him drink it. Right. (laughs) Typical Harry. I've been dealing with this guy for for a long time now. All right. Good one, Harry. I like it. Let's uh, let's let's go to another email here. This is interesting. There was one righty on the entire Russian world junior team and the majority of the NHL shoots lefty. Should you should more be considered than simply which way your kid picks up the stick for the first time? I, I mean, I've been told that you, you hand them a stick and as a young kid or anything. It could be a golf club. It could be a baseball bat or whatever. But whatever hand they reach out with is the dominant hand. So for hockey, a lefty is actually right-hand dominant, the top hand. So it's just kind of – maybe they should be – we should just flip the, uh, the the script on it and call them righties. But um, it's interesting because right-handed when you, shot. When you say that, though, I don't think people understand. So, so, so if you're if you're right-hand dominant, right, you want your top hand at the top of the stick. So, you, so I assume 
you know, 90% of the world, right, throws with their right hand. Maybe not, but but a, a pretty high number, right? Yeah. So you want that top hand. Um, so you want your right hand at the top of the stick. So that that that's what makes you a lefty. But again, I think you, like you said, it, it's more of the, um, you know, it, whichever way the kid kind of picks up the stick and feels comfortable with it, right? Yeah. But, I mean, no, for I, me, I, I do everything with my right hand and I shoot righty. So that's, I guess it is what it is, right? Yeah, and and I think that's where we saw a big wave of lefties. Um, you know, as as I was playing, those hardly any those right-handed shot defensemen were very high in demand. So that they was, didn't find me. <laughs> so a lot of people. That's why we talk about playing the offside. There was a lot of um, righties usually don't have to play the offside because they're they have. You know, there's less righties out there, in my opinion, and uh, you know we we could back it up with stats, but there's there's there there is a um, a real real value, but I don't I don't know. Like someone asked me uh, if if I could go back, would I, you know, if I was a righty, do you think things would have been different? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't have had such a muffin. Yeah, yeah. Never know. You never know. Yeah. You never maybe know. maybe ripple the twine another you know three times. But that top hand dominant, right? So like if you're, you know, so I'm just thinking, so my son, one of my sons throws lefty. So he shoots hockey righty. He bats righty, right? So that, because you want your your, your, your uh, dominant hand at the bottom of the bat. That's what I was always told as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's right. But then one of my other kids just does everything right-handed. But that kid actually, he writes with his right hand, which is bizarre anyway. So I think it's just all comfort and, and what you feel like i think maybe the russians probably maybe they think a lot more about it maybe it's something in the water over there maybe yeah. putin tells them they all have to be lefties because they get better deals on sticks over there on in, in that or something i don't know yeah that the, the b12 shot they were calling it you know at an early age yeah yeah i guess it, it was called b12 but i think in the steroids but um <laughs> yeah the righty the ready stick bob, bob baffett was feeding it to him <laughs> the, the yeah the righty stick the right-handed shot is is very valuable though um and i've seen more righties lately uh, in younger kids so i think it just kind of goes in waves so that's um interesting topic i never fought any right-handed shot players until i knew that they weren't a true lefty you know mm. get get that le- first left snuck in there would kind of take you by surprise you're yeah. reaching reaching for uh you know, to hold on and, and you're, you're getting one fed down the, down the pipe. Yeah. That's funny. All right, Mots, what do you think? We send it over to part two of um, the Milan Luchik interview. Yeah. Before we do that, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Cross Country Mortgage. We're pumped and appreciate that our friend Devo is jumping on board with us here. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with Devo to see if it makes sense. For you, it's a no-brainer. Many people don't understand the impact that a refinance can have on their monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevin.com. He's in the ranks with his boys just like us. When he's not, he's helping people figure out if they can save money by refinancing. Again, go to chrisdevin.com and he and the team at Cross Country can let you know if they can save you some dough. Cross Country Mortgage LLC, 
MNLS number 47305. Do you think D- Devo was one of those goalies that had a wheel bag? I know he was a, a tender back at St. A's back in no, the day. No, he, he dresses nice. Hair's always looking good. He's you know. a fashion police guy. He looks good. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he puts a priority on that kind of stuff, so it wouldn't shock me if he had wheels on the back. So he had good gear, you know, not many uh, puck marks on him? Not many puck marks on him. Actually, you can see it. He took a picture and blew it up, and it's in the office. Yeah, those sick Vaughn Vaughn pads. Yeah, he claims those were his for five years. I didn't see a mark on them. (laughs) Yeah, but he probably just likes to keep his stuff tight. You know what I mean? He probably just kept them clean. He was probably the guy with with the rag wiping them down, making sure they were clean. But yeah, Devo, great dude. Really appreciate him sponsoring the show. And and make sure you guys check out chrisdevin.com and save yourself a couple bucks so you can be like Harry and waste on a uh, summer hockey league, you know? <laughs> well, let's get over to Looch, part two. It's always great to hear some some insight from a guy who's been through it and, you know, who we care for, and he's just passionate about the game and, and uh, his teammates. So he's a, he's a super guy, and we hope you enjoy. You make your move after being drafted to – the Bruins. What were your expectations like going to camp and <laughs> after when? But but you know you you laugh, but you you know your your junior career was obviously very successful. Um, you cap it off with a, a you know a Memorial Cup championship, which is the height of you know any Canadian born kid's uh, athletic career at that point in time in your life. And then you know you go to the the, the Bruins, which you know at the time probably weren't the best team, right? They, 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 they hadn't had the success that we've been used to recently. And, and you obviously, you made an immediate impact and, and have never looked back. And you were, you got adult number 62 and that's a oh, surefire sign. You're getting oh. sent, sent down. <laughs> 62. I looked like, yeah, look like a, like a center lineman or whatever. <laughs> like I was going to hike the ball. Yeah. No, but Honestly, like I went to camp in 2007. I couldn't wait to get sent back to junior because I wanted to like, you know, you just <laughs> want a championship. So you want to go back and like repeat, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm going to go there and give it my all and leave a good impression. And hopefully I can make it next year. And then, and Mots, you I know get, this. I got I get three pairs of underwear, I, two I pairs of socks. Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. And they stuck us in that Wakefield uh, oh, brutal! Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I like stayed there for a rookie camp, and it was before all like the stuff is built around it. Like there was literally back then, there was nothing around it, right? And yeah. there was no Uber back then. There was, you know, <laughs> you you got no money, so you're not going anywhere. You know, you can't walk anywhere, nothing. But anyways, you know, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna have fun here, make a good impression, and then go back and try and defend. The Mem Cup, and like I was saying, like Mots, you know, no news is good news. So right. nobody was saying anything to me. Nobody was saying, yeah. looking oh, over your shoulder each day, going, like, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for someone to give me the shoulder tab. Be like, hey, come see me in the office. And right. you're going, and it's never came. It never came. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then, you know, I, I remember we played a rookie game against New Jersey, and I think it was like in Bridgeport. And I fought, uh, I fought that Matt Fraser, um, the big D-man there. And so I got another look. And then we played in Newfoundland against the Islanders. And I fought that big D-man, Spiller. 
you know, so they kept me around and I was forechecking and hitting guys. And I, I didn't even have a goal and assist or any of these games, but I was fighting and hitting. And um, like you said, the Bruins weren't very good uh, leading into that year. Uh, they were still, I think, pissed off about the Joe Thornton trade and all that type of stuff. So, um, but I think they were looking for a new identity. And that was the year Sean Thornton signed. And then I was doing all that in camp. So they wanted to bring like the big and bad identity back to the Bruins. And I think they saw that in in me to bring that back and and like I said it was kind of crazy because I was waiting for the shoulder tap the whole time for them to tell me to go home and pack your stuff and but it never came and um that was the hey and Moss that was the old schedule remember we played our division eight times oh yeah and we didn't even play hey we didn't even play the Vancouver division that year we didn't even play. We didn't play Van, Calgary, Minnesota, Edmonton, or or, uh, or Colorado that year. Remember, you didn't even play a division. Yeah, and that that causes some uh, some quick rivalries. And if you're fighting like how you you kind of work your way into the lineup, you the this next guy's up in line, like ready to go, or or you're chomping at the bit. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. I think would you have 13 fights here, rookie year? And and so I played five exhibition games. And then my first 10 games, I fought seven times in those 15 games just to stay. And I remember Claude even told me, he goes, if you didn't show you could fight, we would have sent you back to juniors. So that's great. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. happy I did what I did and I would do it all over again, even though I think back to it, it's like kind of crazy that, I mean, I fought 60 times in junior and then I fought seven times in 15 games just to stick around. But you know what? I would do it all over again. And and to be honest, being a Vancouver kid, and this is before Center Ice or NHL network packages and all that type of stuff, we didn't, like, you guys even know too, you didn't watch other teams. You watched your hometown team. That was it. Mm-hmm. So I grew up watching the Canucks, and then we had Hockey Night in Canada, so you got to watch who the Leafs were playing. And to be honest... I knew nothing about Boston. I knew nothing about the history of the Bruins. I knew nothing about the city of the Bo- uh, city of Boston. I I could care less about the Red Sox. I could care less about the Pats, the Celtics. I could care less about like I knew nothing about that city and the sports of it. But looking back at it all now, honestly, that like if I could hand pick to put myself anywhere to start, I'm so that's exactly where I would go because of the history of the city, the history of the sports teams, being around all those championships. It's just was nothing better, nothing better and nothing better that I could have experienced. Yeah. It's a great sports town, but like the, the fans themselves, it, it really is a hockey town that it is. It is appreciates a blue collar, hard nosed type player yeah, like you. Nose. Yeah, <laughs> handsome nose. I mean, and we got your yeah. nose looks great compared to mine. So you're you're in good shape on this on this podcast. 
Yeah, so as far as fitting in into the fabric of Boston, you fit like a glove. So the fans welcome you right in. But you you played your way into the league. You you fought your way. You played your way. And I I was telling Brian earlier about one little play we were playing against you when I was in New Jersey, and I believe it was it could have been your rookie year or maybe a second year. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it was my rookie year. I know what you're talking about. Well, you're just coming down, and then you, you just tuck, you, you tuck your you're on the strong side. You come to the middle on the backhand. I'm like, uh, I'm thinking this dummy's just gonna chip it in and try and run me. And he he comes into the middle. I try to step up, and he's just kind of baiting me. Pulls it back to the outside. You you got your quick feet going, then you like smell you late a little guy. You know, so, you, <laughs> so I'm just thinking like I'm like I can outthink a lot of guys, whatever. And you know, you get over the blue line, get in the blue line, make a nice little play, time and space, all this stuff. And a lot of people didn't give you credit for your skill level because of how you got into the league, I'm guessing. But then you just really proved to everyone each and every year you could score goals you could make good plays you made small little plays in small areas and that physical play so complete package great boston brewing in my opinion it was just a really cool thing to see you like so i grew up just like you like as a as a vancouver fan i'm a boston fan so i'm i'm still watching i'm like oh this is a great pickup for the bees you know (laughs) yeah are you the last guy to wear 27 for the devils uh yeah they they actually tied it yeah no, yeah, I had to pull it off my back. After Mott's wore it. Oh, okay. it. Yeah, so I had to pull it off my back and put it up in the rafters <laughs> for Nidamaya. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so it, it, a funny story when I was playing there, Anaheim had come in and I was playing pretty well and I just happened to get healthy scratched. And the, <laughs> the, the, the media was like, uh, you know, how are you feeling? Like, what? I'm like, there can only be 127 on the ice tonight. You know, I, I, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I wonder how Lou liked that. Yeah, I didn't know what to say, but I mean, I was kind of pissed. But at the end of the day, it was, I mean, I shouldn't have even touched that thing. He, uh, that guy's a special player. Yeah, why did they give you 27? We never even talked about that. I heard heard Lou gives out numbers. You don't get to pick your number. Lou tells you what you're wearing. Yeah, like to your point about getting the tap on the shoulder, like I was a little later in my career when I made it full time and I'm walking in, walking in. I'm like just waiting for my bag to be zipped up. It didn't ever happen, right? So I made the team out of camp and then all of a sudden I went from 32 to 27. I was like, (laughs) I'm not too sure about that, (laughs) but I'm not going to say anything, you know, get in the lineup. Was Gomer there? Did Gomer give you a hard time about that or was he not there so Gomer and I played uh, World Juniors together, and then he was his last year. I was called up at the end. I never played. I was a black ace, and then he went to the Rangers the next year when I was on the team. But, hey, yeah. so great story. So Gomer, his line mate in the Surrey Eagles in the BCHL, yeah, was Shane Cuss. Oh, nice. Yeah. So his his line mate was Shane Cuss, the guy that gave me my. Junior B chance. Him and Gomer were line mates in Junior A together. Amazing. So he didn't only make me; he made Gomer too. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Yes. Gomer needs to hear that too. I'm sure she gives <laughs> it to him all the time. Yeah. Well, talk yeah. about Luch to start your career. Obviously, the Bruins weren't great, and you guys really, as soon as you you got here, like you said, you guys really took back that that big bad Bruins kind of aura to you. And between you and Thorny and Greg Campbell and those different guys, it just would just 
you know, lunch pail guys that just came to work every day. But then you guys, um, through some draft picks and free agency, you guys end up in, in 2011, end up winning the cup. And now you, when you look back at the history, you talk about the history of hockey. I mean, you will forever be, and Boston fans will forever be grateful and, and see you as a historic part of the Boston Bruins organization and bringing that Stanley Cup back to Boston. Yeah, I, I think that's obviously the most proud thing that I've achieved as far as my hockey career goes. And what a lot of people don't remember, and I, I even tell my teammates now, that when I started in Boston, like, if it was a Tuesday night, there was, what, eight 9,000 people at the game? I remember that year, we played Montreal at home, and there were more Habs fans that drove down from Montreal. And when every time Big Z would touch the puck, they'd boo him because there was so – I think – what does it hold, like 17-5? I think there yeah. might have been like 10,000 Habs fans and 7,000 Bruins fans for those games. And, you know, I remember going around the city then and going to restaurants and stuff, and they'd be like, oh, oh, what do you do? Like, what do you hear? I'm like – Oh, I play for the Boston Bruins. And they look at me and they'd laugh, you know, yeah. like Oh, they still have a team? Yeah, they're like, Oh, the Bruins? Oh, we haven't watched them since Bob literally since Bobby Orr and Ray Bork. Like that's literally what they were saying to us. And they're like, Oh, and I and I and what, oh eight, yeah, BC one and then oh oh nine BU one. Like I swear that hockey the college hockey kids for BC and BU had more credibility as hockey players in the city of Boston <laughs> than the actual Bruins. I'm not even kidding. And I think that's what makes it so fulfilling is you get there and everyone kind of gave up on the team and the organization. And we were the ones, you know, that brought it back. Like our group, that 2011 group, brought it back we're the we it took 39 years since 1972 to bring it back and and that's and if the Bruins win again good for them but we were the group that brought it back since Bobby Orr and the big bad Bruin days and for me that's like our group and it's coming up 10 years now on June 15th like that group that did it it's something that we should truly embrace and truly cherish uh, because we wanted in the city of champions where all the other teams were winning uh, for an original six team for the first professional American team. Um, like you guys said, and I know a hockey town, like a true hockey town, an American hockey town. And to be one of those guys to bring it back, especially like I said, what I saw when it started to what it was that day, it's to me is there's no more fulfilling thing that I've ever done in 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 my professional life. All right, guys, just hang on one quick second. Just want to give you a quick update on what's going on at the six line. You can go to the sixline.com, check that out. It's gonna give you all the most comprehensive information on upcoming camps, two of which 
We got Canton and Marlboro. I'll tell you in just a few minutes. But if you're learning from the shrinks each and every week, well, you can learn from them on their on-ice sessions as well. It's defensive skills, teaching you positional tendencies in all three zones. No better guys to learn from than Mott's and BY here. So we got a couple coming up in Canton and Marlboro. I'll get you the exact dates. So Marlboro is June 8th through the 16th, and Canton is June 28th through the 30th. Uh, obviously, all different times and age groups. You can check out the sixline.com. We'll update you as the month goes on here as well. But go to the sixline.com. That's going to tell you all the information you need to know about these two camps. Learn from BY and Mots, just like you do each and every week when you're listening to the shrinks. Now you can do it on ice as well. Defensive skills for all you young defensemen out there. So go check it out, the sixline.com. That's the sixline.com. Let's send it back to Mots and BY and the Rink Shrinks. How did it feel about beating your uh, your hometown team that you grew up watching? <laughs> On their ice too. I remember. Uh, oh man! You know what? You know what? It was. I I I I always say it. I'll give the fans a lot of credit. The true Canuck fans that were at the game that night, they stuck around until it was my turn to raise the cup, so they could cheer for me. Nice. And they cheered like you know, like they gave me the proper hometown cheer. Uh, but I think that just kind of like adds to the whole thing that I was saying is you know, um winning it in your hometown it was nice because i didn't have to fly anyone anywhere you know my <laughs> you know my parents and brother and grandparents actually took the train to the game because nice. they didn't yeah, want to drive good. and good thing they didn't drive with the aftermath of that but right um no but it was it was it's pretty cool like you think back i won a mem cup in van 06 draft was in van the Summit Series, like you said, I played for Brent Sutter. The last game was in Van, won it, and I was the captain, so I got to raise that cup. And then Stanley Cup in Van. So it's like, it's pretty cool that it's all happened for me in my own hometown. So, you know, yeah, I, that's I awesome. definitely cherish and appreciate it, you know? Right. I mean, that's pretty cool about, I mean, number one, winning all those championships, and then, but to have them all in uh, Vancouver, all, all kind of like life kind of moments. And yeah. you'd be able to experience it at home. That's pretty amazing. I I, I did uh, read that you scored your first NHL goal on Bernier, right? And in, in yeah. LA, and he was a, a teammate of yours in the in the Super Series. Yes. Yeah. So that, that those are kind of fun things to to. Well, you know, was, you'll always cool have that on because him. we were teammates like a month before, and then a month later, I'm yeah. you know, you score on the guy and you give him the old, you know, uh, you know, yeah, trying to say. Up, dude? Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm, <laughs> I'm still trying to do that with Tuca, but Tuca won't let me score on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember Brent got the uh, jersey job, and he came yeah, right, right after, from that uh, championship. Yeah. And he was yeah. telling us a little bit about it, and about it. And but that's a great accomplishment. And going back to uh, that camaraderie of junior and college, I feel that Boston Bruins team w- was extremely tight. Not only just like the personalities and stuff and great players. I was, you know, fortunate enough the following year to join the group, you know, briefly. And that's where uh, we, we played. Our and love affair like, started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's, laughs> you know, as short as it was, it, you know, it's just amazing. It's I always say, like, you have a lasting impact on your teammates and no matter how long or short you play with them. So I, that's a credit to you, Luch, that a lo- love affair is two ways. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, you you – we're there the year after, so you understand what I'm saying as far as how tight of a group and how much we liked each other and how much we had each other's backs. 
because you experienced it with us, you know, the year after. Yeah. And that's truly something that we had. And I think that's something that we built as well. That wasn't, that's not something that just, yeah, you can't manufacture it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, like we took time and effort to make sure that camaraderie was there and that we cared about the right things. We did the right things. We, uh, you know, if someone was having a party, everyone would show up, you know, if, uh, you know, if, no, if cuts someone, for a cause type stuff, you know, like yeah, you're shaving exactly. your head, everyone like, shaves their head. Yeah. Authorities asking us to shave our heads. Everyone shows up to shave their head for cuts for cause or, right. you know, if someone messages the group chat, Hey, who wants to go for dinner? You know, yeah. 15 guys show up, you know, it's, it's, it's guys were really invested into that group. And I think that's that's the reason why we became champions. Yeah, and I think that leadership is always talked about. You know, you get Z and, and Bergie kind of leading, you know, differently. You know, Bergie's quiet, but leads by example. Same with, with Z. But that supplemental group, that leadership group you included, um, Sides, Chris Kelly, Thority, those guys, you know, pie, uh, Puzzles, uh, oh, yeah. was, you know, <laughs> you know, just Funny doing his thing, you know, yeah. the best. So I just looked at that as like the the bulk of the support leadership group. It wasn't. I mean, everyone led in their own way and held each other accountable. And that's the other thing I talk about is accountability. You know, let's just say I, at the Devils organization, it came from the top from Lou, right, and right down, and everyone knew where they stood, but. The healthier there was, and there was accountability in Boston, but it came from within the group. You know, guys held each other accountable, but it, it's because everyone loved one another so much personally and and cared for one another individually as as people, and then that leads to on ice performance. So, like that accountability coming from the room was so healthy, and you know, you could call out a buddy because yeah. for the right things, because then you got to do the right thing and. And it just kind of led to this great product on the ice, but it all starts in the room. And it's funny you bring up Lou because you experienced New Jersey. Claude, the year before, was head coach for the Devils. So right. um, I, he brought a lot of Lou with him to Boston. So that's why those things that you just talked about, I think, happen. And Cody used to always tell me, we used to have our one-on-one meetings and he used to always, you know, give it to me and whatnot. And, and he'd always tell me, he goes, you got, you got it. And I think kids need to hear this as well. There's a difference of me telling you something professionally and telling you something personally. And there, and that's a huge difference. And me telling you that you suck and you need to play better. That's because you need to play better. You know, that's, that's professional advice. And, and that you, you, you can't take that personally. You can't, or if, like you said, if, if big Z says something to me, or if uh, authority said something to me, or if you said something to me, you know, you called me out on some BS that I was doing. And if I take that personally, we can't actually move forward. We need to like, you know, so you have to take it professionally and, move forward with it because that's the only way that you can move forward and actually come up with a solution. That's a, yeah, that's a really, and Claude mentioned that to you in your, in your talks. Oh, he used to tell me that all the time. That's great. I mean, I, it, yeah, Claude was hard, and you saw it. Claude was harder on me than anyone. 
Right. Yeah. He, you know, and he but expected. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Like looking back at it now, like I appreciate it that how hard he was on me because he saw how good I was and he knew how good I could be. So he pushed me to be the best that I could be on a night to night basis. Yeah. I think his, his approach was, it was interesting, you know, cause he doesn't come off as that intense or whatever, like, you know, on the TV, but behind closed doors, the preparation and trying to get the most out of each guy, like, you know, especially you like push your buttons a certain way, you know, he'd push someone else a, a different way. And that's, that's why he was such a, a good coach and, you know, very structured in his approach, which it was kind of nice. It was refreshing for me going in there because I was at, with the Islanders, which it was like kind of like the wild West and the, Going back for a puck, there was no game plan, no goalie touches, you know, practice, whatever. And then you go to Boston, and I'm like, all right, I can, I can still sneak out a couple more years. <laughs> Luch, I wanted to ask you since you brought brought it up, kind of now you're 14 years into your career, and have you seen the changes in like the way players? are able to be coached as opposed to like when you came in and it was maybe a little bit harder and rougher, you know, coaches might've been a little bit more rougher on the edges compared to nowadays where it seems like kids are, you know, these young guys coming in have kind of been coddled a lot, right? Growing up, they've always been told they're the greatest and and, and things like that. Very much so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) um, I think social media has a lot to do with it. I think, um, and it was funny, I was talking with Christopher Stieg about this, and we both said, you know, we remember when we, you know, he's he's just from just south, uh, south of Calgary, and I'm a Vancouver kid, and first Stieg started in Providence and then got traded to Chicago. And, like, the difference, I think, too, is when you get put in that place back at our age, you have no one else other than your teammates. So you have no choice but to hang out with your teammates. But now everyone's got a phone, everyone's got a computer, there's social media, everyone's got a life coach, everyone's got a skills coach, everyone's got a skating coach, everyone's got, they got, you know, and and, and it's almost, it almost backfires because your coach is trying to tell you to do one thing, but then you have three other people telling you oh no don't listen to your coach you need to do this instead mm. of that you know what you know you get what i'm trying to say here yeah it's yep. contradicting in in a sense where back then all you had was listening to your coach all you had was being with your teammates and hanging out with them all you had was you know blood sweat and tears together and now it's like Everyone works out together. Everyone's friends. Everyone's played on national teams together. Everyone's world junior buddies and all this type of stuff. Everyone works out at the same gym, uh, all this type of stuff. It's so, yeah, I, I, I feel like, and, 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 and I also feel as soon as someone gets yelled at, it's like, Oh, calls his agent wants to trade. You got yelled at. Well, no. And that's where I get back to like the professional versus personal. You know, we're at the end of the day, you got to realize we're in a billion dollar business where what's our one job is to win. So if you're not winning and you're not playing to win, you're going to get yelled at because if you go to your desk job or whatever the hell you do and you don't perform, you get yelled at by your boss. And, and I think to your point, everyone's told how great they are. Everyone's coddled. 
Everyone's always been the best player on their team. Everyone's got all this, that. Nobody wants – they all show up and they all just want to be at the top right away. They don't mm-hmm. understand that, you know, you start at the bottom and you work your way up. But a little sense of entitlement. You know, we yes. see it at the younger, younger ages and it, it, it is so apparent, but – uh, an unfortunate situation, but the like you're seeing it now, and you know, good players, but that respect of the the process has kind of waned away a little bit. Yeah. And even that that year after you guys won the cup, Marshy and um, and Sagan were second year players, but guys are just shitting on them like they're rookies because you know they are still the young well, guys. Yeah, keep on the them grounded, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, pick up the pucks. They're like, yeah, right. And they're like, no, I actually pick up the pucks right now. You know, just a couple of times I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. But I think one thing that you that, that you said that really hits home is that your teammates and not being able to to call that life coach or whatever it may it may be or listen to the Rink Shrinks podcast or whatever, right? Like like we're trying to do, but the you relied on your teammates, right? So you yeah. knew like if you got you know, if if Claude came down your street and and ripped you a new one and you you know, you knew it, it even the toughest and thickest thin thickest type of skin guys can you know, no matter what, you can you can let it go in one ear and out the other, but you're still a professional and you still gotta listen to it. But you knew you could go to your teammates and confide in them and and say to them like you know, hey, talk me through this a little bit, and you really yeah. got to know each other, and 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 you were able to to really work and and come up together and grow up, and you know, hey, let's go to dinner and 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 talk this thing out. Like, what what are you seeing out there? What am I doing wrong? Like, I haven't scored in five games, and coaches all over me. I, like, I might be getting sent down. You don't know what what's going on, but you were able to your teammates, you know, a guy like Sean Thornton, you could grab him, I'm sure, and say, Thornton, like. Talk me through this, right? Yeah, and and the, the wonderful thing about Thority is he'll be dead honest with you, mm-hmm. you know. But then he he pay he take you out for a steak and buy you a beer and and <laughs> you hug it out and you move on, you know. Right. Uh, but yeah, right. it's like you said, like, and that's why like this year is kind of like sucks because especially up in Canada because everything's like keeps closing down is. We've had hard times this year, and we haven't had those opportunities to, you know, just be normal humans and go talk it out, like, over a steak dinner. like Go out and play guilty the next game or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just get it out of the way. And, yeah, so that's that's a huge part of it. And I'll tell you what, 14 years – I've had room service twice in my in my career, and I said I will never have room service again because this sucks and it's so boring, and I want to enjoy everything the NHL life has to offer. <laughs> and uh, but that's where you, you know, like you said, that's where you talk things out. That's where you get to get to know your teammates. That's where you get to know the the human or the person that's you know uh, behind the jersey and all that type of stuff. And and that's one of the things that I've loved more than anything. And one of the things that keeps me going and keeps wanting to, me to play as long as I can, just so I can, you know, do that. Playing over a thousand games is quite a feat. And especially the way you play, you know, to be a pro and have, you know, that type of commitment, each, you know, each game day, each practice day, you know, like I, I mentioned in uh, the video I sent over, one of the best teammates, best guys ever, right? So 
Yeah, what did you think about I, that video that I watched Mott it sent 10 over? times. It was that good. I watched <laughs> it like 10 times. We gotta we gotta let that loose Mott's out. No, 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 no. He's got some dance moves in there that you, you, <laughs> yeah. that. Like, you gotta pay for those lessons. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a little more PG than locker room, but um the floor routine was cut out, whatever. But uh that's the hip. <laughs> he had the bad hip. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the hip replacement guy, yeah. The hip replacement or the floor routine would have been in there. Yeah, to the point of uh, being a great teammate, Luch. Like, th- those those things you talked about, going out for, for dinner and caring about the person that you're sitting next to in the locker room, you know, it, it translates on ice. Like, you'll work harder for your teammate next to you. And, that, and that's, like, why you've been successful everywhere you've gone is because you, you really cultivate an environment, especially when you're in a leadership role. But even as a young guy, you just – infectious you know the way you work and the way you, you treat people and just kind of you know wrapping it all together with like your upbringing you know you're that's yeah. just like just the most important thing and like that message right there is is really the key point is be a, a great person first and then you know put the work in and things will take care of themselves but you're a perfect example for all the things we, we try to talk about on the podcast and it's just like uh refreshing to hear from someone who's won at every level and still loves the game loves the the the, the shit that comes along with it too you know like you said you gotta love it and embrace it and it's it's been good to hear all the stories i love it especially coming from a, a good friend yeah well luch i think i mean we could we could talk for hours and hours but I'm sure you got to get ready for a game so thank you again so much and and just to echo what Mott said I think everything that that you've done throughout your career and really showing that you play for the guy that you, you we talked about it our last show is you don't play with somebody oh I play with Mott's or I play with this guy like no I play for that guy and you're the you you really exemplify that you 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 play for everybody that you're on the ice with it sounds cliche but the name on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back and everybody else that you're you're out there with which is pretty special and you've had an amazing career and you've played over a thousand games it must have been a, a great feat to, to be on the ice with you, the your three little kids. Keith was asking me about the mini sticks. Those because, are sick. You know, those are sick that the Kent Flames did that. The mini sticks were pretty awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. How's how's uh, 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 the little guy skating? No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. He'll, he'll be three in two weeks, so I'll probably get him out uh, next August or September. Awesome. Awesome. That's good stuff. Well, thanks again, Luch. We won't hold you up. Thank I know you, you got a game tomorrow night. Love you, buddy, and good luck the rest of the way here. All right. Love you, man. Thanks, thanks Luch. All right, guys, and that's a wrap. We had a great chat with Milan Luchik. Thank you to everybody that submitted questions for the uh, mailbag episode. Uh, really appreciate those and keep those coming in. You can reach us on all of our social media platforms and we'll get to as many as we can. We can't get to them all, but they're all good stuff and and we really appreciate you guys reaching out. Thanks again to everybody for listening and uh, cue the rink shrink shuffle. Here we go. We'll see you next week. Whoa.